0: Father, you cannot lie. You you are faithful. Lord Jesus, you are the truth. And Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. And we have come to worship you. And as we see you, we confess we are not like you. But we do need you. And that's why we're here, because we want to become like you. You know our needs, broken bodies and relationships and financial struggles and sins we struggle with. You know our needs, and we pray that you would meet our needs as we gather together. As we open your word, help us. Help us to see you, Lord Jesus. Help us to fall more in love with you and want to become like you. And may we be so full of you that this week we find that we have to go out and share with others what we've learned about you today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I love faithful people, don't you? There are some people in my life and when they tell me they're going to do something, I never give it a second thought. I know they'll do it, I know they'll do it when they said they will. Faithful people are, are a real blessing to me. Uh, if you're an employer, you want a, faithful employees, don't you? Aren't you blessed when you have employees who show up on time and they work hard, whether you're watching them or not? Don't you long for faithful employees? And if, and if, you're, a, if you're an employee, don't you want a faithful, a faithful employer? someone who pays you what she said she would, when she said she would, that someone who's faithful? And if you're married, what do you really want in a spouse? What do you really want? Don't you want someone who is what? Who's faithful, don't you? Isn't that what you really want? If you belong to a church, what kind of pastor do you want? You want one that's faithful, right? Faithful to Jesus and, and faithful to the Word. So let's turn the question around a little bit, and um, how about you? Do you want to be faithful? Do you want to be a faithful member of this church? Do you want to be faithful in your family? Do you want to be a faithful employer or employ Listen, faithfulness is, is so important, and we're going to learn it's really, really powerful today, and how we can be faithful, because the message that we're going to learn today, the point that we're going to unpack is that faithfulness lights up the darkness. Um, I hear a lot of Christians, and they they curse the darkness all around us. Smiley, can you believe what's happening? And I want to know we have an amazing opportunity, an amazing opportunity through faithfulness, that faithfulness lights up the darkness. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Um, if you're new, uh, welcome. We believe the Bible is God's Word, and... We believe there's two parts. There's an old part and a new part, the Old Testament and the New. And and part of the New Testament is an apostle named Paul wrote some letters to churches. This letter is written to churches in Galatia. And there's chapters in the books and then verses to help us find where we're going. So in chapter 5, verse 22, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There it is. That's what we're going to explore today. Gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. So as we begin to unpack this, notice first it says the fruit. Do you see that? Often I hear Christians talk about the fruits of the Spirit. No, no, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's singular because the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus, and what makes the fruit unique is that all nine qualities are there together. People who don't know Jesus have love, and people who don't know Jesus have faithful and gentleness. But what makes the fruit unique is that all nine are there together, that faithfulness is there with love, and faithfulness is there with self-control. So... The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ that's produced in believers through the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that faithfulness, faithfulness is very powerful. Faithfulness lights up the darkness and so we're going to look at faithfulness a little bit. And I want you to understand first of all that faithfulness is a virtue, it's a virtue. (laughs) And uh, I like definitions so this week I'm going to speak on faithfulness. Don't you love it when you do this? So I look up faithfulness, and it says in the dictionary, faithfulness is the state of being faithful. (laughs) Really helpful, right? That Faithfulness is the state of being helpful. So, okay, well, what does it mean to be faithful, then? Faithful is reliable. Don't you love reliable people? I mean, the people who tell you they're going to do something, and they're reliable. Isn't that great? And they're trustworthy. Don't you love people you can trust? They're trustworthy. They they keep their word. Don't you love people who keep their word? Uh, And they're on mission. They're faithful to their mission. Now I want you to know faithfulness is a virtue, and I want you just for a moment to think how beautiful our community would be if people were faithful. Can you imagine the workplace where employees employers weren't worried about their employees showing up or stealing from them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine employees who had faithful employers? Can you imagine how different the workplace would be? How about our homes? How many problems in our culture would be solved if husbands and wives kept their marriage vows? And every child in America got to grow up with their mommy and daddy because their parents were faithful. Wouldn't that be beautiful? How about in churches? (laughs) Imagine what would happen. Every kid's director in America is really afraid of Saturdays. You know why? Because on Saturdays, their phones start blowing up about all the people scheduled to work in kids' ministry on Sunday who aren't going to be there. Can you imagine how much more kids' ministry directors would enjoy Saturday when they knew that all the people who were scheduled would actually show up on Sunday morning and be excited about that? Wouldn't that be great? Oh, man, faithfulness is a virtue. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, And secondly, I want you to know there's only one faithful person. I mean, faithfulness is a beautiful thing, but there is only one faithful person. There is only one person. His name is Jesus, and he's the only person who ever lived who was always reliable, who is always trustworthy, who always keeps his word, who always was on mission, who never deviated. Listen. Faithfulness is a, it is a virtue and a beautiful thing, but there is only one faithful person. His name is Jesus. And listen, everyone needs Jesus to be faithful. There is something that everyone in this room has in common. We all need Jesus to be faithful. We're not going to get there on our own. If we're going to be a faithful people who light up the darkness, we all need Jesus. And you say, why? (laughs) The reason is because we have a problem called sin. The reason is that we have all been unfaithful to God. We've all been unfaithful to others. We've not been reliable, trustworthy, on mission, and keeping our words. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 53, here's what the Bible says is true of all of us. Look at this. All of us like sheep have gone astray. How many? The reason we all need Jesus is we've all been unfaithful. Every one of us. Each of us has turned to his own way. How many? Each of us. See, every one of us needs Jesus because we've all been unfaithful to God and to others. I mean, haven't we all disappointed others? Haven't we? And, 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 and we've broken God's heart, too, by, by committing crime after crime against God. And and it's important to know that God is just, and he can't just wink at our sin and say it doesn't matter. He says, no, no, what we deserve for being unfaithful to God and others, what we deserve for our crimes is death. The wages of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God, and from all good things. So the reason we all need Jesus is we've, we've all been unfaithful to God and to others, and, and we're in big trouble and we can't save ourselves. But here's the good news. Remember I told you there is one faithful person. (laughs) There is one. His name is Jesus. And listen, Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. He came to save us. Jesus is fully God, fully man, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. The only faithful person. Why do I say that? Because in John chapter 8, here's what Jesus could say. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Anybody in here, would you say that about you? Would you say, I always do the things that are pleasing to him? (laughs) But Jesus said that, and the reason Jesus said that is Jesus did that his whole life. He always did what the Father wanted him to do. And that included... Going to the cross where the faithful one would bear the sins of the faithless ones. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So the faithful one took the sins of the faithless ones on himself. And he died in our place because our sins are a big deal. But he paid for them in full. And he rose on the third day proving he had conquered sin and death. And since death is the penalty for sin, having paid in full the penalty for sin, he walked out proving he had conquered sin and death and Jesus Jesus walks out of the tomb and he offers us salvation. He offers us the chance to start all over in life and he offers to forgive us of all of our sins. And having been forgiven he offers to give us the holy spirit so that we can live in a new way. In 2 Corinthians 5:17 the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. So often people say, well, well, Smiley, could I be forgiven for what I've done? I mean, I've done some, bril- could I be forgiven? What do you think, Smiley? And they say, well, what I think really doesn't matter. But I'd love for you to read what the Bible says. So if you've ever wondered if you could be forgiven, hey, will you read this verse with me? Let's read it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. What does the Bible say about you? It says that if you believe, the old things would have passed away. How many people ask me, you know, Smiley, do you think I could change? Do you think I could change? Do you think I could change? Who cares what I think? But I want you to read what the Bible says is possible. It's possible for all of us. Will you read this with me? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. The Bible says that when we believe in Jesus, not only are we forgiven, but we're given the Holy Spirit, and we become new people. Well, Smiley, how can we be in Christ? (laughs) The way we become in Christ is we put our faith in Christ. We believe in Christ, and, and that's as simple as... A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. Where we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, I've not been faithful. Have you done that? If you haven't, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and wrath. And then we commit to Jesus, a Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be and if we will then he will and if you have if you've done that notice what this verse says the old things the old things have passed away new things have come that means if you're a christian you're not only forgiven but you've been given the holy spirit and the holy spirit is given to you so that you would have the desire and the ability to become like jesus he gives you the desire and the power to be faithful he says, look at Jesus. He lived a beautiful life. Don't you want to? Look at Jesus. He was reliable. Don't you want to be reliable? Listen, Jesus was trustworthy. Don't you want to be trustworthy? Jesus kept his promises. Don't you want to? Jesus accomplished his mission. Don't you? And so the Holy Spirit shows us the beautiful life that Jesus lived, the life of faithfulness, and then he begins to form that life in us. And when... When we begin to bear the fruit of faithfulness, then faithfulness lights up the darkness. Oh, I talked to so many Christians today, and they're they're cursing the darkness. Smiley, it's so dark. What an opportunity for us. What an opportunity as Christians to let people know we know Jesus, right? Right? because faithfulness lights up the darkness. Listen, Jesus isn't just saving people. He's not just making disciples. He's creating a new society on earth. It's called the church. And the church is to be different from the culture. So here's what he says in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about how his people are to be different from the culture. Starting in Matthew 5 verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are. You are the light of the world. A city set out on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus is saving people. He's making disciples, and he's putting them all on a hill so that their light would shine. And then notice what he says. Let your light shine. Are you let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Is your mission in life to light up the darkness and let people know that you've met Jesus? Um, so, your light, what is the light? The light. Is the light of the world moving into you. And when the light of the world moves into you, he always shines through you, doesn't he? Remember? Remember in John chapter 8? Let me catch some of you up. In the Old Testament, uh, there was a man named Moses, and Moses says, God, I don't know your name. And God says, my name is I Am. (laughs) I am who I am. So, seven times, seven times in John, Jesus says, I am. And every time he says, I am, he's claiming to be God. And one of the ways he claimed to be God was in John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, when you become a Christian, the light of the world moves into you. And when he moves into you, he shines through you. Listen, what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian who said, enough darkness. Enough darkness. I'm tired of bumping into the darkness. I want to walk in the light. And so a Christian is someone who says, I want to follow the light, right? <laughs> oh, So what is your light? Your light is the light of the world that's moved into you. Now, let me help you the next. Your uh, who's the yore? I, the, the <laughs> I, 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 I wish the Bible was written in Southern. I do. I wish the Bible was written in Southern. Because in the South, we make a distinction between second person singular, you, and second person plural, y'all. <laughs> and Greek does too. Greek makes a distinction between second person singular, you, and second person plural, y'all. So in verse 14, it's y'all are the light of the world. Who? Every Christian. Every Christian, not just the professionals, everyone in whom the light of the world has moved in. Y'all are the light of the world. Notice he says a city. It's a city, it's a collection of lights. Y'all. And um, so then verse 16, second person plural, y'all are the light of the world. and uh, So then the instructions are, let your light shine. So how do all of us every day let our light shine? The way we let our light shine is we follow the light of the world, don't we? What did he say? He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me She'll not walk in darkness, but she'll have the light of the life. We're walking through a culture, and people around us keep bumping into things in the darkness and yelling, "ow!" But we're following the light. You think anybody should notice? Um, This year we've been learning that Jesus invites us on a disciple-making adventure. We've heard every week that Jesus' last command was to go and make disciples of all the nations. We've heard every week that Jesus calls us to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. And we've asked the question, well, what is a disciple? And we said a disciple is a follower of Jesus. So listen, when a disciple follows the light, A disciple lights up the darkness. When a disciple follows the faithful one, a disciple grows in faithfulness. And when a disciple grows in faithfulness, they light up the darkness. We light up the darkness in our workplace. We light up the darkness in our church. We light up the darkness in our homes. Hey, how about the workplace? Don't we have an opportunity to light up the darkness? There is an employer here in town, the bar set pretty little low, okay? There is an employer in town who told me, Smiley, if you show up for work each day, you're in the top 10% of workers in St. John's County. That's set pretty low, isn't it? Do you want opportunities to tell people about Jesus? Show up at work with a great attitude. And be reliable and trustworthy. And you will open up opportunities to light up the darkness. How about our homes? What if we just stayed married? Now, I know a lot of you are divorced. And listen, I don't want to beat you up. Listen, the past is past, and we have all failed. And there is only one faithful person. His name is Jesus. We can't do anything about the past, but we can say, listen, from this day forward, I want to follow the faithful one. From this day forward, I, I want to follow him. We can say that, can't we? But imagine our homes. Imagine our homes, the light we could have in our community if we just stayed married. How about at church? How about at church if we showed up when we were scheduled to serve? Wouldn't we light up the darkness? And I know all of you say, but Smiley, those are such small things. What difference would it make? Don't ever underestimate the power of little acts of faithfulness. When, uh, when Karen and I were in Boca Raton, we, we had a church there, and we had a couple who came to our church, a family from North Lauderdale. So it was Boca, and then a couple com- communities down was North Lauderdale. And this family at Christmas time said, Smiley, You've got to come and see our neighbor's home. Our neighbor's home, they have so many Christmas lights. Now, there was a time you didn't have GPS, okay? And we said, well, how do we find it? They said, just drive in our direction and you'll find it. So sure enough, we got within a mile of their home, and it was like a spaceship had landed. You could see the, gl- the whole sky lit up. And we followed the light to a home, and there were millions of lights, it seemed, I, I, I just, where's the electric box? <laughs> Every single light was little and white. They were little, everyone was little, but they weren't alone, they weren't alone. Every light was on a strand. And then the strands were connected strand to strand to strand. So it covered the house and it glowed. We're not in this alone, we're a little light. Our work, our service, our marriage is a little light. But our lights are connected to others in a small group, and then our small group is connected to another small group, to another small group. So when we gather and then when we scatter, we have an incredible opportunity to light up the darkness. Why? Why are you faithful? What is different about you? Oh, oh, we know the faithful one. Don't you want to know him too? Um, faithfulness lights up the darkness. Every week I I try and give you an action step. The reason I do this is I want to give you something you can do during the week that will change your life. And if faithfulness lights up the darkness, this is what I want you to do. Our action step for this week is I want you to cultivate faithfulness. That's what I want you to do. To cultivate faithfulness. Now We started with the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go back there, and let me help you here a little bit, okay? Notice again, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Now, I want you to see the word Spirit. I want you to see the word Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. There's something about faithfulness that's supernatural, There's something about faithfulness that's produced in us by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. But I want you to know it's the fruit of the Spirit. So there's something about faithfulness that's very natural that we do play a part in. To illustrate that, let's take a farmer who wants to grow strawberries. And I love strawberries, don't you? Now listen, a a farmer can't make something alive. A farmer can't make something grow, but it doesn't mean a farmer watches TV all day. A farmer cultivates the ground. He plants the seed, he waters, he fertilizes, he weeds, but God brings life and growth. And so it is with us. (laughs) Listen, the Holy Spirit produces faithfulness. What we do is we cultivate faithfulness. And um, you say, well, how do we do that? Well, this year we've been learning that Jesus gives some invitations to us to become disciples, right? We've learned he invites us to come and see. And every time we do, we're cultivating faithfulness. And he invites us to follow him. And every time we follow Jesus, we're cultivating faithfulness. And Jesus invites us to fish for men. And every time we do, we're cultivating faithfulness. Oh, listen, every morning... I hear Jesus say, come and see, and and I have an opportunity to spend time with the faithful one, and you do too. And if you want to cultivate faithfulness, it's a good idea to spend time with the faithful one. So, our new study in June, uh, I picked mine up last week, I'm sure you did too, Monday, many of us, many of us on Monday, we opened up to Titus chapter 1, and... Here's how you cultivate faithfulness. I open my Bible to Titus chapter 1, and I read verse 2, which says, In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie, promised long ago. I knew I was going to be speaking on faithfulness this week, and the first thing I read is God cannot lie. Aren't you glad? Do you see rights in front of that? It says eternal life. Uh, God cannot lie, and I'm so glad because we've staked our eternity, right, on His promise. Because He promised all who believe in Him they'll have eternal life, right? Isn't that what we've staked our eternity? Can you imagine living your whole life, getting to heaven? God says, why should I let you into heaven? And I say, well, I believe in Jesus. And He says, I didn't mean that. No, no, we have staked our eternity on the fact that God keeps his promises. That's how we know where we'll be forever, right? And so in my devotions, I'm reading. In my time with Jesus, I'm reading. God, you cannot lie, and I'm so thankful for that. So first we read his word, then we pray his word. And I said, Lord, help me to be like you. Help me to keep my promises. So we read the word, we we pray the word. I want you to know, not only did I read Titus 1, but uh, I'm reading through the Bible And I was in a real upper book on Monday. It's called Lamentations. You do know what that means, right? Weeping. Lamentations was written by the weeping prophet, whose name is Jeremiah. And he wrote this book called Weeping. I was really looking forward to my time with Jesus. But right after I read God Cannot Lie, I turned to Lamentations 3 and I read, This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness is indeed never cease; for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I got up on Monday. You know what I did? I spent time with Jesus. I was cultivating faithfulness Were you. And what did I discover? That my God cannot lie and that my God is great in faithfulness. And so I started my day cultivating faithfulness, saying, Lord, you can't lie, and you're faithful. Help me to be like that. And then throughout Monday, I shared with others. Could I share with you what I learned in my time with Jesus? I learned today that God cannot lie, and God's faithful, and I want to be that way. Don't you? See, every morning we get up and spend time with the faithful one. We're cultivating faithfulness. We're cultivating it. So will you come and see? And then after we come and see, Jesus says, follow me follow me, and every time we follow Jesus, we're beginning to cultivate faithfulness, aren't we? And this week, the Lord was really teaching me how important it is that we team up. We team up if we want to be faithful. I mean, doesn't Jesus show us how? Jesus lived a faithful life, but he didn't live it alone, did he? Before he began his ministry, what did he do? He gathered together a small group, didn't he? And he did life in community. And we usually think in terms of what Jesus did for the disciples, right? Do you ever realize that they helped him be faithful? You see, Jesus models for us that we need Jesus and others in our life if we want to be faithful. So Jesus did life in community, do we? (laughs) Well, why is that so important? (laughs) Oh, I love this verse in, in Proverbs. This verse is so good, isn't it? He who walks with wise men will be wise. Hey, you want to be wise? and hang out with wise people, right? But the companion of fools will suffer harm. The good news version of that is you want to go where wisdom gathers and avoid where wisdom scatters. Let me ask you, in our culture today, where could you have gone to hear what you hear today? Where? Where could you have gone today to hear the importance of faithfulness? hmm? And listen, I would put that, that he who wants to be faithful walks with others who want to be faithful because we need each other, don't we? Oh man, faithfulness is so hard. That's why in a faithless culture, we run to worship and we run to small group, because we need Jesus and others to make it. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm doing a wedding. Um, a lot of people, a lot of witnesses to a wedding. Do you know what a wedding is? It's a couple teaming up to stay married for life. That's what it is. That's why you have a wedding. Most people today don't know that. And when people get married, they take vows. I've had a good time asking people why do we take vows and most people say it's just what you do at weddings. No. Here's why we take vows. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, and there are witnesses, the greatest expression of love we can make is before God and others say this is the person I love. Isn't that true? It's the greatest expression of love we'll ever do. Secondly, it's a recognition that romantic love is not enough to hold us together for life. We need help. You see, traditionally what happened once people got married, then kids started coming. And kids needed a mom and dad. And so people bound themselves together with witnesses so that children could grow up with a mom and dad. And that's why we have witnesses at a wedding. They're not there just to go to the reception. They're not there just to see how handsome the groom is or beautiful the bride is. They're there to hear their vows. So that six months or six years or ten years later, someone says, I think I made a mistake. Oh, no, man, I was there. I heard your vows. And I want to help you, but not to let you out. Isn't a wedding a recognition we need others to have a marriage that lasts and be faithful? That's why we call God and others as witnesses. Listen, to follow Jesus is to team up. If we want faithfulness, we cultivate that by teaming up. We cultivate that by learning from Jesus to be careful what we say yes to, to be careful what I say yes to. (laughs) Boy, I've learned this. If you look at Jesus, you'll find that uh, he said no to a lot of things. But when he said yes, very carefully, he kept it. It was the summer of 2005. It was the summer of 2005, and a, a young couple engaged at good news, Anthony and Catherine, said, Hey, will you, do our, will you officiate at our wedding on July the 8th, 2016? A guy who lives it one day at a time says, Sure, I'll, I'll do that. Okay, so it's summer of 2005, and I commit myself to do a wedding on July the 8th, 2016. Or 2006. (laughs) That would have really been interesting. (laughs) So in January of 2006, our son Nathan is a first-round draft pick of the Los Angeles galaxy. And so at 18, he moves to Los Angeles. In Major League Soccer, they play one game a week, uh, except for one week out of the month, they'll play two games. And um, we still had kids at home, so we wanted to go visit and see some games. It could only be during the summer, so we looked on the calendar June, July, and August. There was only one week of the summer of 2006 where they played at home on Wednesday and they played at home on Saturday. And you know where this is going, right? It was on July the eighth. So, what would you have done? I had told someone I was going to do it, but I wanted to see my kid play. What do you think I did? Hmm? The You're right. I did the wedding. But not only did I did the wedding, I learned something on that day. What I learned was, be careful what I say yes to because I love my kids and I'd love to be there for my kids and I also love you guys and so what I learned was be careful what I say yes to. So a couple years later our son Caleb is playing at the University of Florida and, um, and they're pretty good at that time and so I learned and I look at when the SEC championship game is. It's the first Saturday in December and so when people came to me and said, hey, we'd like to get married. When? Well, on the first Sunday in December. Ooh, sorry. You can choose me, or you can choose a different date, but you can't have both. Oh, I learned. That's so important for us, to be very careful what we say yes to. But then once we say yes, once we say yes, then we do it no matter what it costs us, right? Right? Man, I I learned from Jesus how important it is to team up, how important it is to be careful what I say yes to. And I've also learned from Jesus, listen, that we should start small and then build faithfulness. See, that's what it means to cultivate. it. We start small and then we build. Um, Didn't Jesus say that, that he who is faithful in little things will be faithful in big things? We kind of think it really doesn't matter with the small stuff when it gets to something big we'll be faithful. It doesn't work like that. But I want you to know, Jesus didn't just teach us, Jesus showed us how. In um, Hebrews chapter um, 5, verse 8, although he was a son, read this with me what? Although he was a son, he what? He learned obedience. You see that? He learned obedience. Every time Jesus said yes to his father, he was building obedience muscles. He was cultivating faithfulness that enabled him to take a next step and a next step and a next step. It wasn't like Jesus was careless his whole life and then climbed on the cross one day. Oh, no, no. He learned obedience. Every time we say yes to Jesus, every time we follow him, we are cultivating faithfulness and building our obedience muscles that will set us up for the next and the next. And so when our kids were were young, and we had a whole bunch of them playing soccer, and uh, often they would get on a team and they would say, I don't like our team. And so we always thought, you know, you learn obedience, right? You learn faithfulness. So we said, you know... You made a commitment, and um, you'll play this year. If you don't want to play next year, that's fine. You haven't made a commitment. But once you commit to do something in life, it will serve you well if you keep your commitments. Because that's how we learn, right? How do we cultivate faithfulness? We come and see Jesus. How do we cultivate faithfulness? We begin to follow Jesus. We we team up. We're careful what we say yes to. We start small and build. How do we cultivate faithfulness? We fish for men. We fish for men. We remember that Jesus has us on earth for others. He has us on earth for others. This verse says Jesus has a purpose for your life. Let Y'all. Every one of you has a purpose. Let you, let every one of you, let your light shine. What you do matters. Your faithfulness and your work, your faithfulness and your church, your faithfulness and your home. It matters. It's also really hard, isn't it? I mean, can we talk? It's it's hard to be faithful, isn't it? So what do we do when it's so hard to be faithful at home? What do we do? What do we do when it's so hard to be faithful in our our ministry? You know, we're leading a small group and it's so hard. What do we do? What do we do at work? We run to Jesus. (laughs) We run to Jesus and get what we need to be faithful. And if you'll run to Jesus, you'll learn something. It was hard for Jesus to be faithful. But aren't you glad he was? We often say with Jesus, I mean, Jesus is fully God and fully man. So we always say, well, he was faithful because he was God. But if you'll study the life of Jesus, you'll see that's not true. You'll see that Jesus didn't use his deity to walk in obedience. Jesus modeled for us how we can walk in obedience. That Jesus modeled for us how to walk in faithfulness. The same resources he used are available to us. Jesus walked by the power of the Spirit. We can too. Jesus prayed. We can too. Jesus did life together in community. And we can too. And the biggest challenge of his faithfulness was the cross. And so before the cross, what's Jesus doing? Watching TV? Is he? What did he ask his small group to pray for him? He says, faithfulness. Finishing my mission is incredibly hard. Pray for me. Do we do that? And then Jesus what? He prayed. Oh, Father, if there's any other way for you to accomplish this other than me, listen, let it be known. And the Father said there is no other way, and Jesus was strengthened. Oh, it is hard to be faithful That's why we go to small group, pray for me, it's so hard. That's why we pray, it's so hard. That's why it's so powerful. That's why when we are faithful, people ask, how'd you do it? (laughs) How long have you been married? Oh, 37 and a half years, how'd you do it? You ought to ask Karen, she had to put up with me. But here's how, Karen and I are following the faithful one. And when you follow the faithful one, you will grow in faithfulness. Sometimes people say, you know, smile. how long have you been a pastor? Oh, listen, there were dinosaurs on the planet when I started. How how, it's? How do you do that? Oh, it is so hard at times. But listen, I'm following the faithful one. I'm following the faithful one. And when you follow the faithful one, listen, he increases our faithfulness. But I want you to know something. Uh, I would love for you to pray for me. Faithfulness is hard. And I want to be faithful. I really do. I want to be a faithful husband and father and pastor. But it is so hard. Would you please pray for me? And if you pray for me to be faithful, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you that you would be faithful in your work and in your home and in your church and, and, and if we combined our little lights together, and we prayed for one another and encouraged one another together, together we have an incredible opportunity to light up this community. So let me plead with you. Let your. All right, I'll be Southern, okay. Let y'all's. Let your light shine this week. Shine with your faithfulness. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, how thankful we are that you always did the will of your Father. How thankful we are that you are the truth, that you cannot lie, that you lived a perfect life for us, died for us, and offered us salvation. You offered us forgiveness. You offered us the Holy Spirit. You offered us the opportunity to become new people. And listen, if you'd like to become a new person, won't you believe in Jesus? Won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord, I pray for all of us who know you, all of us in whom your holy spirit lives that this week we would cultivate faithfulness that when we hear you saying come and see that we would get up and spend time with you when we hear you saying follow me that we would take a step when we hear you saying fish for men that that we would let our lights shine oh lord it's so hard to be faithful help us help us so that we can light up the darkness For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.